Hi, and welcome to We Love Dead Things. I'm Candy. I'm Laura. And today we're talking about creepypastas. Yes, and we're going to do a little Q&A. Well, that's a different episode. That's a different episode. That's our backup episode for if Candy decides that she's not going (laughs) to record. Or if Laura decides to get a stick up her ass and hates the world again. That's been happening a lot lately. That happens a lot to me, too. I get in those moods. It's the fun part about having anxiety and depression. Yeah. Which makes me feel weird about my creepypasta now. (laughs) Mine talks about a subject that I don't like talking about. Mine talks about antidepressants. Mine talks about love. Love is a great thing to talk about. I hate talking about love. It makes me uncomfortable. Okay, so do you want to do your creepypasta first? I'm actually discussing a video. Discussing a video? Yes, I'm discussing a video. Okay. Mine is an actual, like, off the creepypasta website. Because, as I explained to Candy, which I'm going to explain now, my favorite creepypasta is the Russian sleep experiment. And if you haven't heard of the Russian sleep experiment, then you are sleeping under a rock because it's actually the story that introduced me to creepypastas. Yeah. And people share it all the time on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. So. And everybody retells it the same way, but their wording of things, the way their voices sound, their inflections their pronunciation everything makes it different every single time and i am not the best oral speaker despite the fact that i took two years in a speech class so i don't but if you want to hear it and you haven't the best place i think to find it would be to listen to the and that's why we drink podcast i can't remember what episode they have it on but i can look it up and we can link it later yeah um M tells it so amazingly like they did an amazing job with it it was creepy like it should be because normally it's not and it freaked Christine out like she thought it was actually a thing yeah until M was like it's a made up story <laughs> so there's that fun stuff just a quick little thing oh and Slender Man is awesome yeah I love Slenderman. But I didn't know Slenderman was a creepypasta until fairly recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing with Slenderman is he started out as, like, the picture and then, Mm -hmm. like, with the kids. And then just, like, two quotes. So there wasn't any story to it, really. Just the tall man. The Slenderman. Mm -hmm. So, and then... People just pretty much created their own stories to that. And then some of them have become pretty much like this is like absolutely about Slender Man where some of it's not mm-hmm. like that's something somebody added. But there's like things that people added that have became like the part of the story, even though it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And the guy that created Slender Man actually came out and eventually created a little bit of a backstory for it. 
just because it was becoming so popular. And he did help collaborate on the movie. He did not help collaborate with the preteen girls who decided to kill, try and kill their friend in the name of Slumberger Man. Yeah. Like, that was all bad news. And he actually got a lot of crap for that. But that was not his fault. No, it wasn't. And then, like, that's nobody's fault. But I'm pretty sure these girls got the idea from um, the Slenderverse on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure it came from that. I think so. And that's nobody's fault because they're all creating a story. It's the girl's fault, no Mm -hmm. matter what. Allowing themselves to fall into this thing. And that also makes me think that there must be something going on with them to put it in their minds that this was such a real thing. Because they were old enough to start understanding reality from fiction. I think part of it just was... Like, they're old enough to create a lie. And so they probably thought that they would get in less trouble if they said that this thing told them to do it. The sad part is one of the little girls was so convinced that they wouldn't get in trouble that she asked if she was allowed to go home soon because she didn't want to miss school the next day because she had a perfect attendance record and she did not want to mess that up. Tough luck, kid. Yeah. But... Gotta give props to the little girl that survived. Like, that is one strong... She's not a little girl. She's a young woman now. They're in their early 20s at this point, I think. Late teens, maybe. I think late teens. Yeah, because that was in, like, what, 2014? Yeah. So, yeah, they're probably, like, 18 now. I'm gonna make a really weird noise really quick. Okay. (coughs) Okay, I feel better now. All right, well, we can go... (laughs) (laughs) it happens i make weird noises all the time granted from the ten thousand hours we've spent together at work all i do is make weird noises yep it keeps me entertained me too but i'm gonna go ahead and get into my story it is from the creepypasta website titled i believe in the one written by i can't breathe anymore zero i like that that name that's pretty much me every time we go to the gym that's pretty much me every time i open my mouth 14 years of smoking cigarettes and you're not even 30 it's awesome so here we go everyone is familiar with the idea of a soulmate someone meant for you your perfect match The missing piece of you that exists out there, off in the world, just waiting to cross your path. The idea is touching and viewed as a little naive by most people. After all, true relationships are built on hard work and dedication, not false promises of perfection. I met my soulmate when I was a young adult, overcome with a strange sense of being watched one night when I was out on a walk. Hey, that kind of sounds like me and Robert. Except for I wasn't out on a walk. He was just staring at me a lot because we were drunk. Although I lived on a street filled with houses and life, at that hour, you'd think it was a ghost town. 
The perfect way to clear your thoughts and take in the outside world without the buzz of kids and cars. The feeling that washed over me wasn't the same kind of fear-inducing sense of being watched. It was more like a strange sense of knowing. Except the street, aside from me, was empty as far as I could see or hear. There was not a moment in which I had passed someone by or heard the telltale scuff of shoes on pavement that told me somebody, someone else couldn't sleep. It was dead quiet. I chalked it up to sleep deprivation, but allowed my pace to pick up as I started back down towards my home. I want to preface this with self-awareness by saying I'd always been open-minded to the idea of there being more out there. Aliens, cryptids, the paranormal, anything that could be possible was potentially possible in my mind. That's not to say I was a firm believer in these things. On the contrary, I've always been logical as can be, like anyone else this day and age. But there was always the thought in the back of my mind that we can't quite disprove life after death or aliens existing out there or even a cryptid or two staying isolated from us. I also want to admit that I've always been an avid horror fan, with a particular small hope that something terrifyingly exciting would happen to me just once in my life. Me too, person. Me too. That's why I picked this story. Like, the description of the narrator sounds like me. Yeah. I mostly just want to die a horrific death and be brought up in a podcast. No. I'm kidding. I would not want that. Please don't. Not that the horrific good. death part. We'll definitely be bringing each other up in a podcast because, well, you'll be bringing me up because it's guaranteed I'll die first. I don't know. Anyway. But as we all know, you have to be careful what you wish for. Just as the feeling of being watched, if not stopped completely at this point, became suffocating, I heard him. Rather, his shoes scuffing the pavement behind me as he jogged along to catch up to me. My back was turned to him, and I kept my eyes ahead to avoid looking paranoid. The hairs on the back of my neck were standing up, goosebumps pricked up on my skin. Which is exactly why I carry a knife with me everywhere I go if I'm not at home. At the very least, a knife. I have my plan. Okay, I have to tell you guys about a plan. Because everybody should have this plan. Mm-hmm. You already know this plan. The plan is that you always make sure that you know what is heaviest on you. So that you can hit the person and then run like hell. And always carry your keys on, like in your hands and not in your purse. Oh, yeah, I do that. My purse is the heaviest thing on me. Yeah. I just keep it zipped. So you just keep your keys on you. And if you're a dude and you're not carrying anything heavy, why don't you have a weapon? Steel-toed boots. You can also use your keys between your fingers and hold them between your fingers and stab somebody if they get too close to you. doesn't work if they have a gun, though. No. Unless you're, like, throwing the knife and running really quickly in a zigzag motion. Zigzag. Always zigzag. Don't run in a straight line. Where did I hear that from? Probably my dad. Or a TV show. Yeah, pretty much every TV show, people run in a straight line and then get shot. There was that one scene in Gilmore Girls when, for some reason, Rory was running away and she was running in a zigzag pattern because she didn't want to get shot. I think it was when she was on parole. Okay. I felt a strong hand on my shoulder, a strong grip and determined fingers gently digging in with a sense of urgency. I don't want to scare you, but there's something in the bushes that's been following you down the street for the last 20 minutes. His voice was a bit labored, and he lacked any sense of tiredness. 
If I had to guess, he might have been riding a wave of adrenaline that had come on suddenly. That in itself alarmed me. All evidence suggested he must have just come from his home, one of those on the street, in quite a rush to warn me about my situation. Still, I could hardly find any words. Excuse me? Was my voice always that small? Something following me? By now, I was facing him. He was taller than me. Not hard to do, considering I'm a young adult man standing so dashingly tall at five foot six. He was considerably taller, though, maybe even an entire foot. It was hard to make out his features, but I could tell he was handsome even in the dim street light glow. His eyes were the loveliest shade of green. Not someone, something, the stranger clarified, casting a tentative glance to the bushes across the street as if to prove a point. I swallowed, my stomach dropped with anxiety, and I could feel myself tense up. There were a million questions to ask that I should have asked, but at the time only one went through my head. But I live over there. How do I get home? My voice was a whisper, I realized. Without deciding whether I'd really believed this man, I found myself worried about alerting this mysterious thing that was apparently fascinated with me. In hindsight, one might wonder whether or not he made it up just to talk to me. That's what I believed when I had time to calm down. But right then and there, my panic was starting to take hold. Just how would I make it home if I had to cross the street where this thing was currently hiding right now? The stranger smiled, warm and brave. It was gentle, promising that all would be well without words. I'll walk with you. Everyone knows about safety in groups, right? He offered a hand, guiding me further down towards the crosswalk and occasionally peering behind us and back at the foliage. I'm Ryder, by the way. I'm sorry if I scared you. I woke up to use the restroom and saw you walking down the street by yourself. Elias was all I could manage. I was far too busy trying not to look behind us, even though my terrible curiosity wanted me to. I know it sounds weird, okay? I thought I was seeing things at first. And then when I saw it run across the street when you were right under the lights again, I realized I wasn't, Ryder continued, gently nudging me along the sidewalk and blocking my view of the path behind us with his body. The rest of the short walk was silent. We were both listening out for whatever he had seen and on our toes. But we made it just fine, and I never saw nor heard a single thing out of the ordinary. As I fumbled to unlock the door of my home, I felt sadness wash over me. It wasn't my own, it was foreign, alien. Ryder saw my hesitation and gave me another charming smile, filling me with the courage to start thinking for myself long enough to all but throw the door open. The poor cat was scared half to death when it hit the wall with a loud smack, staring up at us with wide eyes. All things considering, the disgruntled cat was a welcome sight. I just like pictured a door slamming and a cat jumping in the air. I've read the story three times today. <laughs> well, you're home, safe and sound, my savior chuckled, keeping a res respectful distance outside the door. I was thankful for that. I'd always been socially anxious, and the idea of having to kick him out after he helped me was not a good one. Yeah, I sure am. Thanks for walking me, I murmured. Compared to Ryder's confidence, confident cadence, I sounded like a ghost who didn't want to be seen. Without missing a beat, Ryder offered me his number and warned me against walking alone at night for various reasons. 
especially here, he added, as casual as somebody discussing their day. He got pretty close to you before you reached the lights. At the time, I thought nothing of the, that comment beyond Ryder explaining what he saw. After that night, my life became a lot more exciting than I had asked for. For one, Ryder and I became very close, very quickly. Never in my life had anyone paid me any attention, cared about what I had to say, or given me much of a second thought. Until I met Ryder. Where I was appallingly, undeniably, and painfully average and routine, Ryder was adventurous, exciting, and handsome to boot. You could probably guess that we were dating long before, before long. It was just a casual relationship beginning, and we were slowly spending more time together and tried to ease into a more serious one. As it stood, he never stayed overnight because he knew how much it stressed me out to be around someone for more than a few hours. That was another amazing thing about him. He understood my defects enough to accommodate them. It touched me that someone thought I was worth that effort. So casual it was. Until late April, well into the night, ever since the incident before, I'd stopped my night walks and taken to new coping methods in my home when I felt anxious. Ryder had helped me many a time when I'd called him on the verge of a panic attack while he was dead asleep, helping me form new hobbies or things to keep me busy that wouldn't put me in as much danger as being out alone at night would. He cared about me after all. It was late again, just past midnight, when I curled up on the couch and turned on the TV for background noise. My sketchbook was out on my lap and my hands fiddling with a pencil while I tried to decide what to draw. Feeling confident I wouldn't need to disturb Ryder's sleep tonight, I decided to draw him and give it to him as a gift when we next met up. Silly, I know, but I was so grateful to him. And then there was a knock at the window across from me. Tap, tap, tap. The knocking was almost nervous. Nowhere near as, as nervous as I was when I lifted my gaze from the paper in front of me up to the window across the room. I, it was well lit in here and terribly hard to see anything outside. What kind of person keeps their curtains open at night? I don't like to keep my curtains open during the day. Same. True fear of the general public. <laughs> I'm terrified of everything. And I assume that if there's like anything going on or the TV is too loud, then the neighbor's going to knock on the door. Which he does at least twice a week anyway. I just don't want people looking in my house. It could be perfectly spotless, but you ain't invited over, you can't look in. I don't want people looking inside. Exactly. One, it's a disaster, and two, then they know what I have. Which is not impressive by any means, but... I don't need people going on or like seeing pictures of my family, which I have pictures of more than my kid, my boyfriend, and my parents. Not very many, but still. Anyway. I could hardly see at all, save for two pairs of glowing red eyes staring back at me. I almost choked on my own fear, anxiety rising as fast as my pulse and as my hand slapped around for my phone. A few moments of sheer panic, and then my fingers smacked the familiar cold and flat surface, and I was dialing Ryder's number in an instant. There's something outside my window. Please help me. I croaked, still making full eye contact with the intruder watching me. Ryder gave no verbal response, but I could hear him rushing out of bed and pulling clothes on. 
It was no more than five minutes later that he was at my door disheveled. As shocking as the ordeal was, it was even more shocking when Ryder all but ran for the back window. For the first time since I'd known him, I saw a flash of rage on his face I never thought he was capable of. Only when Ryder ripped the back door open did the thing outside look away from me. I couldn't hear anything over my partner's furious cursing, his body stiff and face red with anger as he paced the backyard and shouted after the thing. Ryder didn't come back inside for a long time. When he did, he looked exhausted, like he'd been busy at work. But when I inquired, Ryder simply made me promise never to go outside when I see it again and to always call him first. Always. There was a hint of something dangerous in his tone, something angry, daring me to protest. But I smiled weakly and told him, of course, I'd call him. He was my hero, after all. And I told myself he was only angry because he was scared. That seemed to calm Ryder down, and he relaxed and came inside. For the first time, he stayed the night with me. I don't know if it was because of what happened, or the air of uneasiness that settled over me like a fog, but I couldn't sleep at all that night, even though the only person who'd ever protected me and respected me was sound asleep next to me. It felt wrong. It felt bad. Eventually, I quietly slipped from my room and returned to the couch. As I finally started to drift off asleep and my consciousness lapsed into dreams, I once again caught the gaze of the eyes from before. There was something so, so upset about them. A sadness that knew no bounds. Anger that could rend entire worlds and send the gods to their knees. I slept until I was awoken by Ryder grabbing me rather violently by the arm and yanking me off the couch. He was shouting at me, but I'd just woken up. I couldn't make any sense of it in my haze. The back door was open. My furniture had been upturned and broken. My senses didn't return until the pain from a hard slap to the face knocked them right back into place. Ryder hit me. And that's when the fist fight would have started. Yeah. That same day he declared, not asked, declared that he would be living with me from then on. I was too affection starved to say no. If this was the only person who would care about me, the only one for me, then so be it. No one can survive alone, which is bullshit. I could totally survive alone. My boyfriend just won't leave me alone. Things fell back into some semblance of normalcy for a while. And I learned very quickly to stop reporting any more incidents of being watched to writer if I didn't want to be punished for them. I'd never been one to socialize much, but I was also punished if I attempted to go out or contact family. One night, in utter defiance, I walked out and spent a night to myself in town. Deep down, I knew I only stayed out so long because I was terrified to return home. Ryder would be furious, and I knew even though it felt wrong, I'd be on my knees begging him to love me, apologizing for being ungra- for the ungrateful, worthless pig I was. By the time I did get home, Ryder was already asleep, but he sh- made sure to make his point. My phone was smashed to pieces on the kitchen floor, and the note next to it warned me that if I ever did this again, my legs would receive the same treatment. I like to think of myself as strong, but I'm not. I started crying, unable to understand how or why someone who treated me so amazingly had come to treat me like I was nothing in a shockingly short time. A toxic whiplash stinging my skin and burrowing deep, deep into my gut. And that's how it was from then on for the next year. 
My time outside was limited to an hour a day, and I was not to take the first thing in the morning or any time Ryder was sleeping. The eyes outside the window became the only routine I had anymore. Each time I saw them, I kept it to myself. But it hurt. The eyes. They were so upset. I could relate to that. On my birthday, Ryder decided to celebrate by locking me in my room for most of the day, and at the end of it, attempting to force himself on me. I say attempting because my memory of what happened next is extremely hazy, and not because he succeeded in being a total piece of shit. No, it's because of what I saw. The window shattered, glass splinters flew this way and that, the roar coming from it shook the walls. I swear, shook them so hard I thought they'd fall. As a large, red-eyed form entered my peripheral vision, I squeezed my eyes shut. Stupid as it was, in that instant, instance, my only was thought was that I was going to die, and this time, Ryder wouldn't protect me. Besides the roar, there wasn't any noise beyond a sudden, wet tearing sound and a violent splatter. My memory cut out here. It's just blackness. But they told me later that Ryder's body had been reduced to the human equivalent of wet tissue paper all over my bedroom. They told me someone in my home dialed the police, but no one actually spoke to them or told them anything. I don't know how I got from the bedroom to the living room. There's a vague memory of large cold arms on my back, the warning bite of clawed fingers on my side. They said when they found me, I was hysterical. I was begging for him to come back. I don't want to be alone again, please. They assumed I was talking about Ryder, whose killer was never caught. The police ruled me out as a suspect pretty quickly. I'm small, and when they found me malnourished severely, Ryder only let me eat if I weighed less than a certain number on any given day. Last night, I was finally able to come home after my house was cleaned and restored. Everything felt empty and lifeless, drained of all meaning, painfully lonely. As anyone can guess, I spent all evening in one of my worst panic attacks to date, crying so hard that I had to sit by the toilet because I was throwing up. Too afraid to sleep in my old room, I instead resigned to the familiarity of my couch. Again, as I was drifting off to sleep, I saw two pairs of red eyes watching me from outside. This time, there was no sadness. Not like before, at least. It was empathetic sadness, as if we were understanding what tragic lives we'd both lived thus far in one glimpse. Recognition dawned on me, words not from me probing into my mind clumsily. As awkward as my attempts to speak with anyone else, I sent back encouragement, careful, with what little light I had left in myself. The eyes widened slightly and then softened. Memories that were not mine eased into my mind. The perspective from the outside of my home at night, glancing inside. Ryder producing knives, waiting for me to sleep. Ryder at his own home that first night I let him stay, measuring out pill dosages that would kill someone of my height and weight. That very first night we met, Ryder watching me from his window, a dark idea blooming in his expression. I understood then that this red-eyed being had been protecting me all along. Each time I was supposed to die, it had perfectly, purposefully provoked Ryder's ire to redirect his attention. It couldn't be there during the day, but at night it was free to roam. And I understood then that Ryder had never charmed or comforted me in some mysterious way that I couldn't explain. 
that this being had been sending me comfort, bravery, and the will to calm for my own sake whenever it could. When I woke the next morning, I also understood why Ryder never allowed me to glance or step foot outside until he'd woken and cleared the home of whatever evil the thing haunting us left behind. Scattered all along the perimeter of my home were the most beautiful red flowers I had ever seen. The end. Aww. And that was really cute. <laughs> Wasn't it good? That was really cute. This might be my new favorite creepypasta. Honestly, I thought Ryder was a vampire at first. I thought he was the demon at first when I first read it. And then, like, I got into the end and I was like, oh, my God. I really like that one. That was really cute. It's totally, I don't know. Because Ryder's obviously not a vampire if he went out during the day. Mm -hmm. Unless he was, like, the Vampire Diaries vampire. Yeah. Or a colon. But did he sparkle? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he looked like Damon Salvatore. Maybe. And then I can understand Elias being so infatuated with him. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that was really cute. Not really scary. No. Like, that more, like, it's a good story. The beginning was creepy, though. The beginning was very creepy. And it did keep that creepy element at the very ending with the monster, even though it also kind of ruined it. Mm-hmm. But I wish I the monster know. had like ate him. But I still love that story. I thought it was really cute. Like that was the monster's way of getting two people was to like bring. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> no clue. I I know it started with a B. Bitchy computer, bitch, bitch, bitch. No. Like, the last word I said was, like, bringing or something like that, but I can't remember anything I was going to say after that. (laughs) It was a cute story, though. I did like that one. It really wasn't all that creepy. But in all honesty, most creepypastas aren't actually creepy. And maybe I'm just jaded for watching 25 years of horror movies. Yes. Horror movies and horror pages on YouTube and true crime podcasts and everything the only thing that really scares me now is real life (laughs) yeah i'm terrified of the real world yeah so are you ready for yours yes okay so moving this guy again mine is i really love those adult swim videos that they play at like four o'clock in the morning um it's their infomercial time and they're usually like infomercial type commercials but there's like this creepy like undertone to them and they turn really weird so i haven't watched adult swim in about 12 years yeah this is like from 2014 this one's from 2014 but they've been doing this for a while Mm -hmm. but um this one's called unedited footage of a bear edited footage of a bear and it starts out with a bear with an actual like (laughs) Like an actual bear. Okay. So it starts out with an actual bear. And the camera guys are like, look at this bear. Look at his ears. They're like super excited about his ears. I don't understand that part. He's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) So then it pops up. And this is on Adult Swim, so it's on the TV. It's Mm -hmm. not on a computer. So then it pops up with a YouTube ad. Like with the like whole skip ad in five seconds and everything type thing. Yeah. But this is on TV. 
So that just sets you off because you're not watching YouTube. Yeah. So it's an ad for um, this drug called Claridrill. And it looks like an allergy medication. It sounds like an allergy medication. Yeah. But it's this mom and her two kids and they're at the park and she's like, sometimes being a mom is like being two different people or something like that. And the kids are all shouting for her and stuff like that. And she's like, but I take life into my own hands. And then everything clears up because she took her medication. Everything clears up. And then she gets in the car and she starts driving away. And they're listing all the side effects as she's driving away. And did she leave her kids at the park? They're not in the car. I don't like you'll figure out what happens to the kids later, but okay. I don't know how they get home from the park. Okay. So as she's driving away, like she was smiling and then she stopped smiling. And you see inside her car and like the person listing the side effects is like slowly like been muted. Mm-hmm. So you don't hear them listing them. And they like progressively got worse. It'd be like drowsiness, blah, 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 and then insomnia. And then they have the little like, like for the rest of them at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that plays through the whole rest of the video and it's a 10 minute long video. Jeez. Yeah, so there's a lot of side effects to it. So <clears throat> she's driving along. She stops smiling. Everything, like, goes monotone. She reaches into her glove compartment, and when she's doing that, you can see that her car is filled with Claridrill. Like, where her children should be sitting is boxes of Claridrill, and her glove box is boxes of Claridrill. <laughs> it's everywhere. So then she takes some Claridrill, and then she drives Pi a crime scene. But the weird thing with the crime scene is that the person the, that's in the handcuffs and everything is wearing the same exact outfit as a person in a bodysuit. So there's two of them. But one's in handcuffs. So, and then more body bags are being brought out. So then she drives by and then she stops because she sees her cardigan in the road. The one that she's wearing right now is in the road. Mm-hmm. So she gets out to look at it, and it is her cardigan. And then she looks up, and there's herself without the cardigan staring at her. And then herself comes running towards her, and she goes into the car. And, like, the, her other self, mm-hmm. the crazy one, starts beating her up because she makes it to the car, too. And then they get out of the car, and she's still beating her up. So the crazy one's still beating the other one up. And then she, like, kicks her and stomps her, and then leaves her there, takes the car keys, gets in the van, runs her over. (laughs) Yes. What the fuck? (laughs) And uh, then goes to the house. No. But the other one... Is still alive. Can we refer to the bad one as the other mother? Because I'm just imagining the other mother from Coraline. The right crazy. Now. Well, it's the crazy mom and the other mother. Yeah. So, which is the the bad right, one? No, the the crazy one's the bad one. Okay. So the bad one. <laughs> no, I'm lost. The bad one's at home. The good one's crawling, like crawling, trying mm-hmm. to crawl home because she's broken. Well, and the bad mom took off with her car Mm -hmm. and has the keys to her house where her kids are. Yeah. So then the bad mom 
is like drawing pictures like in blue marker on the kids pictures and stuff like that and you can see that the kids are like depressed and like they don't understand what's going on and the mom's doing all this crazy stuff like there's a scene with the mom in a basement and she's wearing like this black dress and talking about how she went on a date recently so that means the husband's not there Mm -hmm. and um just all this like crazy stuff and then the mom like goes outside and there's four chairs there two small ones two big ones Mm -hmm. she points her fingers out the one of the small chairs and like handgun shoots it and then she does that for every other chair and the last chair falls over what the fuck so all this crazy stuff's going on at the house and the first the sane mom mm-hmm. i guess has finally made it to her house like crawling up to her house and then the police show up you don't see the police you see the sirens mm-hmm. and all she mutters is i don't have a gun i don't have a gun mm-hmm. and that's the end right so they also have a website mm-hmm. for it for claridrill and on the website, you can, like, there's, like, some weird things. Like, there's one with the Claridrill bottle, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But you can go inside the house mm-hmm. and on the website. And I can't remember how to do it. You have to do something, like, five times, and then it takes you to the house. It's a weird website. There's some Bloody Mary shit right there. Yeah. So, inside the house, like, you can go through and, like, doodle on the kids' pictures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, other things in the house. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I have my little notes because I watched the Nightmind video mm-hmm. because I absolutely love Nightmind. And he goes there and explains everything. So if you guys haven't heard of Nightmind, he's absolutely awesome. And he'll, like, explain everything to you about this stuff. That's how, like, I'd watch the Slenderverse, like, YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. And then I'd watch Nightmind Explains. Yeah. Because he gets all he gets all the information from everywhere. So the ad makes it seem like it's for um, allergies. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's for allergies. Yes. The actual medication, if you look at it, looks like a box of allergy medication. Mm-hmm. The side effects aren't allergy medication side effects. Mm-hmm. The side effects is it leads to depression and possibly suicide, agitation and hostility. And basically, like when the mom describes it in the commercial, she's not when she's talking about taking life back in her own hands and feeling like she's in two places at once. She's not taking it for allergies. She's taking it because she's stressed. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an anxiety medication. It's an anti-depression accelerant. Because the commercials you see aren't for actual antidepressant medications. They're for mm-hmm. accelerants mm-hmm. that are supposed to go along antidepressant medications to help them work better for some people. So, like, basically the mom, whose name is Donna. I've just now put that in my mm-hmm. notes. Um, her name is Donna. Hot Donna. Sorry. <laughs> that 70s show just popped into my head. She's not hot Donna. <laughs> so... Basically, what the they're trying to show you in this is that she's become addicted mm-hmm. 
the pill bottles are everywhere. She starts taking it when she feels depressed again, like when she's coming down from the high Mm -hmm. and everything. And basically, she's suffering from all the side effects of the medication. Basically, this whole thing is on like, it's not saying all medications are bad, but it's basically like you you can become addicted to medications like this and the side effects could be bad. Mm-hmm. So, like, be careful of what you take. Misuse of prescription medications can cause adverse reactions. Yeah. Well, and then, honestly, some of the medications, they don't even actually know how it affects humans. Mm-hmm. Because you can sit there and run tests and tests and tests on rats, but rats aren't humans. No. So you can get kind of an idea, but you're not going to fully get it on a person. Well, that's why when they give you stuff like um, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, they tend to give you 60 to 90 day trials. want your body, well, they did that with me at least, 60 to 90 day trials to make sure how your body would react, whether you would have adverse reactions, whether you would have negative side effects, or if you have the positive side effects. Mental clarity, you feel more stabilized with yourself. Your body is reacting correctly to the medication. That's what they want. But if you become addicted, you're not going to tell mm-hmm. the doctor that you're suffering all these side effects. And no. They're not going to take you off of it. And some people are able to deal with the side effects and make it look like nothing is wrong at all. And that's when the doctor's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to give you more. And then that's also like malpractice on the doctor that they're not noticing this person is going through their prescription 10 times faster than they should. Some people take antidepressants once a day, maybe two or three max. Sometimes more, but not usually. Yeah, well, this is because it's the accelerant. Yeah. So it's different than the antidepressant. There's like, there's a scene in it, I didn't describe it earlier, where she picks up the phone mm-hmm. and she's yelling at herself. And it's like this prim, proper, but worn down version of her that, like, calls and is like yelling Mm -hmm. and they're just yelling donna donna yelling at herself Mm -hmm. well she calls right when donna is getting ready to take some more of the claradrill Mm -hmm. when she's in the car still driving so that's like her sane side trying to stop her from continuing this addiction Mm -hmm. that's causing all these side effects and then she takes it and her crazy side comes out Mm -hmm. But the crate, like the whole thing is like the dude who did that earlier, like she drove, drove past the scene. He went full on crazy. Mm-hmm. When the police catch her, her same side has finally come up. Mm-hmm. So she's able to realize what she's done. Whereas the other dude didn't. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it really messes with your mind. But it's also just like one of those things like, Make sure you know what you're taking and don't rely on them if you don't need them. Yes. And make sure that you stay under constant care of a licensed psychiatrist, psychotherapist, psychologist, whoever it is that you do see. That's when the tenure caregiver comes into effect. Like really hardcore, like you need to be on top of your meds and your doctors need to be on top of you. And if they aren't, then get a new doctor who is on top of you because this is life or death. Yeah. And I'm super crunchy and I understand like some things like 
Antidepressants are to help a chemical imbalance in your brain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's the only way that's going to get you help. But in my mind, to me at least, prescriptions are a a last resort. They're not the first things you should go to just because you take one prescription and then like the chemical like messes with other parts of your body and the next thing you know you're on 20 different medications Mm -hmm. just because you take one medication for depression yep so it's like try to find things that aren't gonna be causing you to go on these different medications first you know and if that doesn't work then you know you have to do what works for you but don't become addicted (laughs) yeah or crazy just kind of look at all the routes and there's lots of ways to work around it. Yeah. I haven't been on antidepressants in a few years, actually. And I, despite the fact that I have moments of really bad anxiety and my depression does rear its head, I'm actually, according to the psychiatrist I was seeing, I don't need it. I should probably go back to make sure it's been about a year. But that's just me. I'm not you or any other person who's on it. My mom's sister should have been on considerably more advanced medication than she was on and if she had taken care of it the way that she should have and had the doctors taken care of her the way they should have she would still be here yeah my mom should have stayed on medication she went off of it and it did not work out when she went off of it but you just have to find what works for you Mm -hmm. but don't automatically just go for what could cause more problems in the long run yeah Lots of research, lot, and it's a, it's not a game, but it's a testing theory. You have to test everything. I have a question. What happened to the bear? They don't show the bear again. Then why did they start off with the bear? <clears throat> because it's supposed to be an info, like it's supposed to be a commercial. And was she watching the commercial about the bear? No. It's like you're watching a video and then an ad pops up. Okay, yeah, yeah, you said yeah. that, you said that. I want to know about the bear. It's just a bear. (laughs) Well, and what's funny is when you said a bear, like, I'm automatically thinking some, like, big furry guy. Yeah, no, it was a bear. Like the dude from Clerks 2? Nope. It was an actual bear. (laughs) A giant furry bear sitting down in the wilderness and these two guys talking about it. Yeah, I think I like the other bear better. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I love every bear and then human and not yeah there's so many more of those kind of videos on adult swim uh-huh um on their youtube channel yeah another one of my favorites is this house has people in it uh-huh and that makes perfect sense well it yeah this house has people in it so it's like security footage of this house and uh-huh. some crazy stuff goes down we're not talking about that one so i'm not going to go into it Mm-hmm. But I can go into it for, like, six hours because I love that one, which is also why I chose this one because it's shorter. Mm-hmm. Considering so, mine was, like, ten minutes long, not including our tangents. I think mine was ten minutes long. Yeah. So, I think we haven't we're done. talked about any podcast recommendations, though. Um, I'm listening to a new one, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's very similar to ours. We have similar discussions. Um, I think they focus a little bit more in detail than we do about certain things. 
I don't get into long detail. If I get into detail about stuff that I'm interested in, it'll take 10 years. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I'm going to tell the overview of something. Mm -hmm. But if you want more detail, you're going to have to look it up yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's not to be like, I don't want to put the effort in because I know the details because I looked it up. Yeah. But it's to get like you to research on your own and come Mm -hmm. up with your own opinion and not rely on what other people have to say about things. Oh, yeah. And we are very opinionated in everything we read. Yes. But it's fun. But I like them. I can't remember the name of the hostesses, unfortunately. I suck at names. But the podcast that I've been listening to is the This Is Weird. I think that's what it's called. Keep It Weird. This Is Weird. Keep It Weird. Yeah. It's Keep It Weird, not This Is Weird. They're interesting. I'm on episode five. Because I only started listening to them yesterday. No, Thursday. I haven't listened to them. They're interesting. I don't remember how I found them, but I did. And I'm glad I did. I like them. They have a pretty decent little list going on. And just like us, they cover true crime. They've talked about aliens. Just basically all the same things we do. Ghosts. Actually, the episode I'm listening to right now is about ghosts, and it's, like, super good, and I really like this episode. It's my favorite so far. So if you need a nice long binge, they currently have 80 episodes. Okay. And they're about anywhere from, like, 45 minutes to over an hour, which is awesome if, like, you listen to podcasts while you're getting ready, because it takes me three hours to wake up. Stuff like that is perfect. So... Have a good night, you guys. Talk to your doctors. Don't go crazy. (laughs) If you see red eyes outside your window, they may not be evil. Also, don't go outside until you know if they're evil or not. And your boyfriend might be crazy. No, he's not. He might be. (laughs) Mine isn't, but somebody else's might be. Mine's not. Okay, have a good night, you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to We Love Dead Things. If you like what you hear, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at We Love Dead Things. Or you can find us on Twitter at We Love Dead Thing because Twitter wouldn't allow us to add an S. Also, please rate and review us. And you can hear us on any podcast catcher out there. Thank you for all your support. Keep doing those spooky things.